Welcome to Get Real with Richard Walter. I have had it with this uh, ongoing uh, obsession with what they call authenticity. Films have to be uh, authentic. They have to be true to the uh, uh, writer who created it in terms of their own lived experience. Can't you make anything up? Can't you just uh, create fantasies like, oh, you know, Lewis Carroll did and Arthur C. Clarke did? And Can't you make up stuff that didn't happen? What is so great about authenticity? Let me tell you what happened to me today. Let me tell you a little bit about my life today. All of what I'm telling you now is true. It's also never been heard before. I've never told this to anybody, and it's also current. It's not old stuff, but it's today, this very day that I'm recording this this podcast. I was up, as uh, always, the crack of 930. Uh, shower, shave, uh, went in for breakfast. My bride uh, left me, as she always does. These many decades, uh, a uh, bowl of uh, cut-up fresh fruit. She gets up earlier than I do, even earlier than I than I do. <laughs> and I added to that uh, some Cheerios and a scoop of um, uh, uh, Greek yogurt, Fage, it's pronounced F-A-G-E, uh, yogurt. That's the actual yogurt, the actual brand of, of the yogurt that I had, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm not making this up. All of this is true. I then added soy milk to that and mixed it all up. Now, I can just imagine my friends from New York. I'm out here 56 years already, and I I can just imagine them saying to me, Richie, soy milk, you've been been out there baking your brains in California too long already. Time to come home. But that's what I truly did have uh, for breakfast. I also had coffee with that. Um, what kind of coffee? We do. We, we have one of those Keurig, or Keurig, Keurig machines. And I did what I'd like to do, which is I put in a, a capsule and did three ounces. I'm sorry, six ounces. You can do six, eight, ten, or twelve. I did six, and then I did on top of that another capsule, another six on top of that. I don't know. I like it strong. And I added to that just a little bit of cream, just a little bit of the half and half to that. Then I took it over to the uh, <laughs> to the uh, breakfast table and settled in um, with the Times, the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, and I started to uh, read an article uh, that I found interesting in the calendar section of the L- L.A. You, you you don't you don't find this interesting? What I'm telling you, all, all of this happened to me today, and you podcast listeners, you're the first. People I've ever told this to have told this to nobody. And all of it is real. Every single fact of it is true. But of course, the question arises, so what? We don't care. It's so boring. Uh, So much for authentic. In my screenwriting book, when I write about... um, uh, well, I have several of them, but I think in all of them, when I when I read about dialogue, I uh, 
I talk about how uh, there's all kinds of sounds in a uh, in a in a movie, but from the point of view of the writer, the main sound is the dialogue, um, and that's uh, uh, what you should report. And really, only only that uh, you should get into the music and the sound effects and so on, unless again they are part of the story. And I talk about my old friend, though I miss him uh, every day. He uh, he was a, a schoolmate of mine at USC Film School over half a century ago. He's now deceased uh, quite some several years. He was a hugely successful film scorer, Basil Polidorus. If your name is Basil Polidorus, what else can you possibly be but a film scorer, right? I mean, <laughs> is that a uh, a film scorer's name or what? In any event, uh, Basil uh, and I, we were pals and neighbors. We lived in uh, the Oelysian Heights, the poor man's hills, way up above Echo Park. And he uh, he had a um, um, studio there. He turned his standalone garage into a, a recording studio, and uh, he had all of his stuff there. And he worked at night, like a lot of musicians do. And on one particular night, uh, early, early in the morning, you know, around dawn, there was a knock at the door. It was the police. He heard the thuck, 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 thuck of helicopters and so on. The the Hollywood Strangler had dropped off a victim, the the body of a victim, in a vacant lot, uh, an undeveloped uh, parcel, as they call them, uh, next door to him. And uh, the cops wanted to know, uh, had he heard anything? He had actually been up working at... Night, and if he could tell them if he'd heard any car doors slamming or rustling in the bushes or whatever, it would might help them with the timeline and their investigation. And of course, he wanted to support them in any way that he that he uh, that he could. Uh, but it's sort of interesting. Why is it it's sort of interesting? Because a, <laughs> it involves a serial murderer and horror and darkness, not just everyday day stuff. Um, it is dramatic stuff. And um, uh, it uh, 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 it's true, but let me tell you now. Uh, and, and this is the way I, I used to uh, tell it in the uh, dialogue chapter. Let me tell you what did not happen after that. I'm making up the rest of this. Okay, he goes off. Basil does um, to let's say the um, uh, I don't know meeting somewhere or, or whatever, and he has breakfast. He stops in some cafe to have breakfast. Um, and it's late in the morning, and uh, the place is deserted. He's at the counter, and uh, the only other guy on the counter is like six or eight seats seats down. Now, the night before, in fact, Basil had been scoring a film score, but I'm going to say, I'm going to lie to you and tell you that it's, no, no, he was doing commercial jingle. da 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 Da, 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 da. You deserve a break today at McDonald's, something like that. You know, I think Barry Manilow might have written that. I think Barry did some uh, some jingle writing back there and years ago, including that maybe. Uh, and Basil's been recording this all night, uh, not recording it, but but working on it all night, writing it all night, getting it all, playing it over and over and over. Trying to get focused on it, and there he is. Next morning, and he's he, late morning. He's in the uh, cafe there, and there's only one other guy in the uh, uh, 
at the counter, several seats down, and he kind of that guy suddenly kind of whisp, whistles to her himself or hums to himself. And, Where could he have hurt? That's what Basil just, nobody knows that. The only guy who could possibly know that is somebody who was outside the studio. Maybe that's the serial murderer. Remember, nothing like that happened. I made it up, but isn't what I made up, isn't what's not authentic, but what's inauthentic more interesting? So don't be authentic, be emotional, be engaging, uh, uh, be disruptive. Um, uh, don't don't uh, be real. Uh, except in terms of the emotions that you provoke, the fear, the 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 sorrow. Uh, don't have to be good emotions, uh, but whatever they are, they are as real as uh, emotions uh, can be. It's all of the other stuff. They are authentic. That's the kind of authenticity that we want. Not the. Not this thing that they call facts. Thanks for listening to Get Real with Richard Walter. Please subscribe on Medium and Substack. Do uh, share these episodes with pals on social media. And come on back and hear my next uh, podcast.